1: This episode of Kitchen Club is kindly sponsored by our friends at Nemo Travel. Think of Nemo as your personal travel guru, someone you can talk to about your passions and interests, someone who'll take this on board and find unique places to stay and experiences just for you.
2: I am sure we are all desperate for a holiday after a very tough year on the travel front. Nemo are here to help give you something to look forward to. So whether you want to go all out and jet off to the Seychelles or plan a remote detox in the Scottish Highlands, they'll be there every step of the way, providing expert travel advice and reassurance, which we know is so, so important during these times of uncertainty. Nemo very kindly helped book mine and my husband's honeymoon to Puglia last summer, which was totally last minute, and with the rules changing constantly about where it was and wasn't safe to visit, it was a total godsend to have their insider knowledge and support in booking
1: our dream trip. Their trips are also designed with sustainable practices, authentic experiences, and local empowerment in mind, so wherever you go, you'll feel fully immersed in the true culture of your chosen destination. To find out more about Nemo and how they can provide stress-free, caring travel, head to nemo-travel.com or visit them on Instagram at WeAreNemoTravel. Thanks for sponsoring us, Nemo. Happy travels! Hello and welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my beautiful friend, Serena Louth
2: hello kitchen club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table each week we have a fabulous new guest a new area of expertise to get stuck into and a brand new recipe which is created using our guests three favorite ingredients
1: Today's guest is Ella Mills, the founder of Deliciously Ella, a plant-based lifestyle platform sharing delicious recipes, a wellness app, a collection of best-selling recipe books, a brilliant podcast, and a range of plant-based food products. Wow. We loved chatting to Ella about motherhood, her experiences of birth, and the benefits of slowing down and making time for yourself. I feel
2: like Ella Mills hardly needs any introduction because anybody who has a vague interest in the world of wellness is more than familiar with her work. And it's actually thanks to Ella that this dreamy duo in your ears right now came together and met. So keep listening to find out why. We will get on with the episode now. Here is the wonderful Ella Mills on Kitchen Club.
1: welcome to Kitchen Club.
0: Hi guys, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this.
1: Oh, it is such a joy to have you on and listeners won't know this until now, but it's a really special time, a a special thing to have you on because this podcast wouldn't actually happen without you. It wouldn't have started if you hadn't been around because Serena and I as you know Ella, but for listeners, met when we crossed over in working for the Delicious Ella business, which is just so wild and it's so nice to come full circle um, and reconnect. And we have actually been wanting to get you on for such a long time. We've been like, yeah, let's try and get Ella on this season. So we're really glad that you're here, basically. I know. Thank
0: you. It feels, honestly, no, it feels so nice. It feels like said really full circle and like it's original Delicious Cielo and it's, yeah, it feels really like coming home. It's nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: We have genuinely wanted to have you on since season one. And because you do a million things, which we're going to get onto, we were always like, no, Ella will be too busy. Ella will be too busy. We can't ask her. Um so, no, it's really great to have you here. Let's start with your three favorite ingredients. Can you remember what they were?
0: I'm trying to remember. Do you know what? When you asked me, I was like, because I know that you guys do this amazing thing of creating something with that. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm trying, going to try and do my three of my favorites that match in some capacity rather than giving you like something really, really impossible and weird and gross. <laughs> um, so, I did have, because I started, I think, with dark chocolate and I think peanut butter. And so I was like, then I was going to say something like carrots or avocado. And then I was like, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) We could get a bit icky. Um, And so I'm trying to remember what the third one is, but I'm pretty sure it would be dates, which would be like my original favorite ingredient.
2: I feel like you're the queen of medjool dates. I feel like nobody had heard of medjool Dates until your first cookbook came out and everyone was like, oh my God, they're like the most delicious thing. It's kind of healthy because it's fruit, but it's amazing.
0: That's honestly how I felt about it. I remember so soon into my journey and discovery of all these sorts of food and turning towards plant-based eating, a girlfriend of mine said, because I was really struggling with giving up because I used to love stuff like Haribo and the like super, super processed sweets. And I was really struggling with adjusting my palate And I was kind of getting the hang of all the savoury food, but I was really missing sweet food. I definitely have a sweet tooth. And a girlfriend of mine said, oh my gosh, have you tried medjool dates? Those will change your life. And I was like looking at them and they they look pretty unexciting and they're quite kind of, they're not very attractive. They're kind of humble little ingredient. And, And I remember thinking, yeah. Okay. That's just not going to cut it, is it? And then I tried them and especially when they've been in the fridge. So they have that like extra gooeyness from being cold. Yeah. Dipped in nut butter with chocolate. I mean, you cannot beat it. That was, I think that's my kind of original delicious yellow snack. And when I had those, I was like, right, that's fine. I can do this.
1: Yeah. I was, I was thinking when you sent when you said those three ingredients, I think I could have said those for you and be like that right that's what Ella's gonna say so you didn't disappoint although we're always up for a challenge when when guests say like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna put what was something weird we've had Serena
2: I think kimchi carbonara was our weirdest one that we made oh but that
1: sounds really nice
2: it was quite good it was it was strange
1: it was strange but delicious but we like we like the challenge but Serena would you like to say what we made, and we had fun making this together in real life because we haven't been able yeah. to do that for ages.
0: So,
2: so, we made you, I mean, it's kind of obvious when you think about the three ingredients. We made you vegan Snickers bars. So, it's like an OT Nugai nu, nouga, base with date caramel um, and salted peanuts and dipped in chocolate. And the reason that we love making this for you was it was really nostalgic because obviously, when I worked for you, I used to cook things like that every single day. For those of you who don't know, I did recipe testing for Ella. So when she would make recipes and I'd have to test them, test them, test them until we got the quantities perfect. And I was always making things like Snickers and brownies. And since then, I, I never really do it. I never really make sweet things at home. So it felt really nostalgic and sweet to be making Snickers for you.
0: Oh, honestly, this is when Zoom is like, I know Zoom has so many brilliant things, but this is when I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just re-shoot the screen and, and eat them because they sound so good.
2: We'll have to send you some. Sarah and I were laughing because we made so many and we were like, oh, it's great because they can go in the freezer. We can have those whenever we want in the future. Two days later, Sarah texted me being like, I've eaten them all. And I was like, yeah,
1: me too. (laughs) They're so good. So, so good. Um, Ella, I know you said that you love the dates, but is there anything particularly about the chocolate and peanut butter? I mean, I can guess because I feel like the brand is kind of made from those three ingredients but is there anything else in particular about them that really kind of take you somewhere or feel like a lovely memory?
0: You know what I think for me in and I guess it kind of taps into what I was just saying a few minutes ago about that moment of realizing there was so many delicious things you could have following a very natural plant-based diet and I think for someone that came at this from I guess the polar opposite way of eating which is where I was before I think there is this assumption that healthy food or vegan food or plant-based food is going to be just lettuce and I know that preconception is shifting and I think we're seeing that more and more but I still think that sits in the back of so many people's minds and that's at the back of my mind that you know there's there wasn't going to be this abundance of deliciousness and texture and flavor and that it wasn't going to be filling and I think I guess I like that because it symbolizes that to me. And I think that was a big part of Delicious Seattle as it was getting started. And obviously it's still a really big part of what we do today trying to show that actually it's so much more than that because, you know, and I know that's something you guys are really passionate about, about trying to make, you know, a lifestyle that really looks after your body, something that's actually a genuine part of your life and something you can come back to day after day after day. And I'm sure you two would feel the same, which is that that only works if you genuinely enjoy it. And it genuinely kind of, fills you up in every sense of the word physically emotionally spiritually and I think to me I guess those symbolize that which is that yes broccoli is really important yes we need to eat lentils of course that's the case but also I think that we need those treats and those sweets and those moments of indulgence as well and that's what creates the balance that for me makes this really work yeah yeah. I
2: guess that's what makes it a lifestyle not a diet because Absolutely. anything that's too restrictive is just like going to be totally short-lived it's going to be boring you're not going to stick to it but if you can incorporate treats and fun things that make it sustainable then you're winning
0: exactly that's that's definitely my take on it we would love to speak to you
1: about motherhood because i mean you have done so many things in the last 10 years of business of opening the cafes, bringing out the products, becoming a yoga teacher, launching your app, like it is absolutely incredible but I guess most recently your kind of title has changed to mother which what a beautiful title that is to have and what a beautiful identity and we are both really interested about birth stories and I don't know if this is like something that's come up a lot more recently because we had amazing Rihanna Lambert last year on the podcast and we were like so keen to, to learn about hers and we have a doula on the podcast next week so if you are happy to kind of share a little bit about your experience in your birthing we would love to know because I just think it's such a wonderful thing and I guess in I'm I'm watching okay Serena's gonna laugh at me for just completely going off topic but I'm watching Anne with an E on Netflix at the moment and if anyone who likes anything watch Anne with an E and it's all about community in the late 1800s in Canada and how the community is kind of supporting each other and years ago we would all know each other's birth stories you know we would be there and sharing and as women and as this beautiful sharing experience and I feel like recently, well, until recently, we haven't had that. So, wow, that was a long-winded question to say,
0: please may you,
1: please may you share a
0: little. <laughs> Absolutely. Honestly, this is, I want to come and join you guys next week to talk to the dude that you're talking to. That's my, that's my, if I have a second career, that is what it, I would like it to be. I mm. became obsessed and still am obsessed with Bert. I think it is the most extraordinary topic and I think it's something that as women we desperately need to have more open conversations about I think Mm. a podcast like this for me feels like a really nice space to have that conversation I think I certainly think I find it a bit more challenging on social media because it's such a nuanced topic and Mm. There's so much emotion, there's so many levels of experience, whether that's your own personal experience or experience of those around you that's fed into your own mindset about it. And I think we are seeing, I I think you kind of alluded to it, Sarah, this shift in a conversation about it and perhaps kind of becoming more open-minded to different ways of looking at it. I got pregnant with Skye, who's my elder, so she's almost two, um, really, really, really quickly. And I, as a result, hadn't really had like a huge amount of time to think about birth. And so when we got pregnant, went to the GP, great. And they said, okay, you know, your local hospital's this hospital, great, perfect, perfect, perfect. And I didn't really think much about it. And I just assumed I'd go to hospital and I'd, I'd, I would do all of that. And then when I announced I was pregnant on our social media page, I got loads of incredible, um, emails and direct messages from people who are part of our community saying oh I just really wanted to tell you about hypnobirthing I thought you'd be really interested in it and that was kind of one thing but what kept striking me was that all of these messages said my birth was the most amazing day of my life my birth was the day that changed my life my birth was the most empowering experience I've ever had I can't tell you how positive my birth was. I can't tell you what a new woman I felt like after my birth. And I was reading literally hundreds of messages describing birth in a way that I had never, ever, ever come across before. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong. And I think this is so important. I think this is one of the misconceptions. No one was saying it was easy. I mean, I think it pushes you beyond, you know, to the absolute max of a human capacity and experience and threshold. And that's, that's why it's so extraordinary because you go all the way there and then you come all the way back and it's a kind of totally unparalleled experience, but there was so much positivity in the depths of what, of these experiences. And I just, I kept saying it to Matt and I just said, you know, I have never, ever heard people talk about birth like this Mm. before. I've heard people say it was kind of fine you know, painful, but fine. And then I'd heard the horror stories, but I'd never really heard anything else on the spectrum of it. And so that got me looking into it. And I started looking into hypnobirthing and we did this hypnobirthing course, Matt and I, and during the course, we did it with this incredible lady called Catherine Graves. She's just an absolute, angel um it's been doing this for decades knows her stuff so well and it's so educational and in that I think we just both realized there was this whole world that we'd never even considered before and as you know I think probably an area why why you guys are so interested in is that there's such a fascinating link really between so much of, of what you do and what we do and birth really in terms of understanding your body and really being in tune with your body and I know that that could sound a little left field and I, I hear that and I appreciate that but I think what the what we started to learn was that actually it's not at all it's actually genuinely just the, the biology it's the chemistry of your body the cascade of hormones and neurotransmitters that's involved in this unbelievably intricate process that your body does know how to do but it is an unbelievably intricate process and one hormone does trigger the next hormone which triggers the next neurotransmitter and so on and you started to understand okay so you need a lot of oxytocin to give birth. Well that doesn't really work into conjunction with high levels of cortisol and adrenaline that's just biology and Then you're thinking, okay. well, if I feel scared, if I feel frightened, if I feel in an unfamiliar surrounding with people I've never met before with bright lights on me, you know, I'm probably going to feel a bit scared because that's how I feel when I go into hospital. That's 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 just me and okay how could I have more oxytocin okay it could be quiet it could be with people I know it could be with people I trust and as we started to go down that path to us our home births just started to make so much sense and then again looking into it I think people look to me like you are mad that's such an unsafe option and you know if you look at even NHS data hospital births are so safe and it, the NHS really recommend them especially after your first child for anyone with a low-risk pregnancy because they are so 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 safe and you've got your midwives there they know everything. And um again, I think it's just about looking at the science and looking at the evidence and moving past that sort of deep sense of fear that I think we all have about birth and realizing it is a normal psychological, sorry, normal physiological event that our bodies know how to do. And of course there's exceptions. And I so appreciate that. But for the vast majority of us, that is the case. And from what I've understood, and I know it's a difficult thing to say, but from all the literature I've read, it's when we start to intervene with these processes that the challenges become because those cascades cannot happen. It's so difficult from a biological perspective. And I read this unbelievable book and I, I recommend it to anyone of my best friends have just got pregnant. The first thing I did was send it to her and it's called Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. And Ina May is this kind of, I guess, the sort of godmother of... Um, a more natural approach to birth, and she runs this huge birthing center in the state. It's been going for decades and decades and decades. And they have something like a 99.9% success rate with home births which and as she said medical births hospital births are the best thing on earth because there are exceptions and let's celebrate those exceptions but let's not assume they're the rule and anyway but she has this fantastic book full of birth stories and again each birth is described as it's so challenging as i said it pushes you beyond your edge but that you can do it and for me that was one of the most empowering experiences and it was certainly my experience with sky It was about 12 hours and it was by a mile the hardest thing I've ever done on a physical and an emotional level. It is, you know, it is indescribably challenging, but it is absolutely within your capabilities. Um, Water changed the game for me completely. I love water and I found it so relaxing. Um, And having a partner to be there who's supportive, but also I think, for him having been through the education process and understand exactly what's going on you know I remember my brother saying to me oh my friends keep telling me you'll never feel more pointless than when your wife's giving birth it was the opposite honestly I could not have done it without Matt it was it really felt like a joint effort completely he was there for every single breath and again it was just about incorporating everything that I've learned for years and years yoga breath work mindfulness and trying to bring it all in and it was it was extraordinary I think it takes you as I said to a completely new level of depth I probably then you know went to my kind of full delicious yellow self and had a placenta smoothie and um, <laughs> all the rest of it but um which I appreciate that part of it may not be for everyone but uh, but it was interesting how, but how was it <laughs> it was fine actually honestly um couldn't taste it it was lots of peanut butter <laughs> and <laughs> um and berries and bananas and things um but and then encapsulated the rest of of the placenta
1: I mean, lovely, I think it's so empowering that you said that we are born to do this, and you know like as women, obviously taking into consideration difficulties within pregnancies and giving birth but for if anyone is going down this natural route to know that you you are made to do it and and it kind of relates to um our period cycle as well and as you said like yoga practicing mindfulness meditation it is all going with the grain of our body and rather than kind of pushing against what's natural to us and what we can do if we kind of tap in and tune in and don't stir the pot in the opposite direction
0: yeah no i i think that's it's honestly exactly that but i think it's it's such a difficult conversation because people have such different experiences and i think i i think for me it's just about it was just about opening options and realizing it doesn't have to exist within the paradigm of fear and that's what i realized listening to birth story after birth story after birth story and there were common links between them all, and I think that was being as relaxed as possible. And of course, there's high risk pregnancies, and and you know it's not to take those into a, to you know to shift light away from that. It's just that if you are having a normal, healthy pregnancy, that there are maybe other options to consider. Mm. And just understanding it, and I guess that's again all the work that that you do, and and you're on your podcast, which is about trying to understand our bodies that little bit better, isn't it? And I think that's what I found really empowering. Instead of just assuming that's what I'll do, it was understanding, okay, what is a membrane sweep? Is it actually a form of induction? Where, do, where, where, What happens with induction? What route does that take me down? What's the difference between synthetic oxytocin and natural oxytocin? How does that then help with endorphins, for example? And as you start to understand that, I think it's just easier to be in the driving seat and yeah. I think when you're in the driving seat again you can just feel a lot more confident and I think that can help you perhaps make some decisions that you wouldn't that are harder to make without that and I didn't I don't find that information is always as freely available because there's just an assumption that this is the way to do it and I think for me it was just about learning that you're not sort of we woo going to left field and questioning those assumptions there's amazing data and research behind it. Yeah. But it's
2: so normal that in all aspects of life, even when we have a strong intuitive feeling about something or we feel very sure that something is right for us, the societal norms and the things that we've been conditioned to believe instill a fear within us that that we have kind of overridden by trusting our intuition. And every time someone says like, "Oh, home birth a bit dangerous," are you sure? It, it brings up that old belief, like, "Oh shit, maybe it isn't a good idea." So totally it's it's funny it definitely plays out in like so many aspects of life even i was talking to someone about it recently about them going self-employed and their family were like no no stability you need a pension you need this um and it makes you question yourself
0: exactly it's so it's so so hard not to anything oh totally right Serena. i think you see that this is just one example of it across the whole spectrum i know when i saw social say hello my dad would always say when's she gonna get a real job
2: and now you've shown him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just for anyone who's listening who's not 100% sure, hypnobirthing, what does that entail? What does that add to your birthing experience? What does that change? What does that
0: influence? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think it's one of those areas, and I'm absolutely not you know, an, you know, know, total expert on it by any stretch of the imagination, but I think, I know I thought it was, and I think quite a lot of people think it is like, Oh, just sit and breathe and the baby will pop out. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> it would be so nice. Not the case. Certainly wasn't my experience. Um, I think for me, it was two things. I think the first thing was understanding that physiological process and And every so that you really have all the information, you understand everything that's happening. So you understand the sensations and you're able to therefore feel more comfortable with the sensations because you're not caught off guard by them to some extent. Um, And so to have a level of understanding of what to expect, I think that was the first part of what hypnobirthing really gave us was that just like 360 education of the process. Um, And then the second thing was just understanding how to. I guess as much as possible, um, go with it rather than against it, which is that because you understand what's happening, you can understand all the different processes and, and therefore trying as much as possible, just surrender into it versus fighting against it. So it's not that you just like do a couple of breaths and out comes the baby, but when you're having those, um, waves um, of contractions or inhibitory birth, and if to call it surges, just knowing Okay, they only last so long, then you'll have a break. Okay, you can visualize them quite like a wave because they build and they go down and they build and they go down. And so starting to think about it like that and then being able to to try and sit with the the breath as much as possible and breathe through them and then calm down and then breathe through them and then calm down. So, and I think that that's what really helped us with it. Um, So I think it's a level of A, understanding, B, connecting with your body and C, knowing what to do as much as you could ever know what to do. And like the course we did had then lots of kind of guided visualizations and meditations that we did in the few months leading up to birth that would just also, a lot of them had positive affirmations in, um, of like, you know, my body knows when it's ready, my body can birth my baby. And so I think it's just about shifting that mindset as well. Yeah. It's so
2: fascinating hearing about it. I think that childbirth is one of those things that when I was little, I would always dread the idea of it because you see films where it goes wrong and people are screaming and, and actually the older I get, it's something I really hope to be able to experience one day. I'm fascinated. As you say, like it's, it's the most incredible physical feat that you can go through. And, it's something I'm just so interested to experience. I'll probably eat my words when it comes to it
1: and be
0: like, Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> no, honestly, you won't. It takes you to the absolute edge of human experience, I think. Um, and it, it really, you know, that it kind of takes you to that portal, doesn't it? Where, where life and, and death exist. And I, you know, when my mother-in-law passed away and she passed away about a year exactly before sky was born you know and it was very peaceful and it was at home that you know that there, there are similarities you are going as i said to that absolute edge of human experience and yeah. and it's not 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 that birth is there's a, there, not that there was a fear of, of death but obviously you know your child exists in your stomach and you are literally going to the edge of your absolute emotional physical capabilities to collect them and then bring them into this world and there's something about that that's just It's just totally and utterly extraordinary. And I think if you are lucky enough to experience it in that way, I think it shifts you totally. Mm. I've got tingles. Me too. I keep getting goosebumps. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be like queuing up to do it every day, but but it is, it certainly is an experience that I'm really, really grateful to have been able to have.
1: Yeah. And Ella, how did um, things shift for you having May was it a similar experience were you kind of thinking oh my gosh you've got to do all of that again was was there doubt or worry or were you like I've got this
0: I've done I this. did have a moment of being like that was hard <laughs> <laughs> um uh, I've got to do it again but then it was so different it was so different I and it was really hard in a totally different way I think on a physical level Sky's birth was really hard Definitely. I pushed for about two and a half hours. It was really physically, really, really hard. Mm. With May at just before 36 weeks, um, I was actually on a Zoom meeting and started having contractions. I was like, oh my gosh, she's really early, obviously, because 37 weeks is the kind of start of a normal, quote unquote, gestation period. And it lasted a couple of hours and then it stopped. And my midwife said, oh, you know, that's, that's okay. Don't don't worry. Basically she came over, she checked, we were all good. And then that happened every single day for a month (gasps) and it's called prodromal labor. It's, it's not, it happens more normally if you've had more than three children, if you've, um, uh, have a breech baby, it's not very common for a second child who's in the right position, um, so it was quite unclear what was happening. And she dropped so, so low normally, often at the start of, of a labour, the baby will do the kind of final bit of turning and drop down. She did that during all of this. So she was literally like ready a millimetre away. And that this would then happen in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. And so I couldn't go anywhere and do anything because I never knew when. I was about to have a few hours of contractions. And... It created a level of anxiety like I haven't experienced before because I was just, I was then terrified to go anywhere, or be on my own, or leave the house because even if it was just a short walk, like you don't want to be half an hour away from home and then having contractions and never ever know when it's real. And so you you there's this kind of constant state of like, okay, well, where is Matt? You know, like mm-hmm. is he three hours away? And then because she was literally like a centimetre away the midwife was like, okay, it is possible that when this happens, it could be literally minutes, like minutes, 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 Matt, this is what to do. (laughs) Um, and it was, it literally was, it got to, um, three days after it was, it was actually just to take it back. I had been having, some, some kind of complicated feelings and emotions with some different parts of my life. And, and we had a doula, an amazing lady called Debbie. And she said, I wonder why she's not coming given the fact that she is literally a centimeter away and you keep having this. And she sent me to this, um, osteo that she works with. And she said, just go, you know, let's just go and check. He thinks she is definitely in the right position and so on. And I went and he was like, no, physically everything's perfect, but this baby she is an incarnation of the divine feminine and she is so emotionally intuitive and she knows you are not emotionally ready and you've got stuff to deal with it's like whoa okay wow. um it was yeah right. it, I know it was and he was completely right and um anyway and then about 10 days later having kind of worked through quite a lot of things she just came like that and she had it was at 10 o'clock and Matt was asleep. we had been watching David Attenborough. And I mean it was like so uneventful in that sense. And I had it one and I thought, God, this feels a little bit different than it's felt over the last five weeks, but it's probably not different because I keep thinking that. And then so I just messed a WhatsApp to our midwife and I was like, please just God, don't go to sleep quite yet, because maybe. And then I called her 10 minutes later and I thought I said, I think this really might might be something. It's only had three contractions, but it feels different. And she was like, okay, call me in an hour. It called about 15 minutes later and I was like, no, 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 this is different. And this was already, this was now 10 30. So then we had to like get up, Sky, call my mum, get Sky to my mum's house, get all her stuff, fill the birth pool, everything. Our midwife was like racing over across London. And then by the time Sky had left with my mum and all the rest of it, it was like half past 11 and May was born at 20 past 12. Um, Whoa! Like it was literally like that. Um, yeah. So, so, so she was so ready, um, and I'm pretty sure she could have come in half the time if we hadn't been like trying to pack up Sky <laughs> and, um, and yeah, do all the practical stuff. So yeah, it was mad.
1: Wow. The intuition of little May inside. I you. know. This just reminded me of actually when I last saw you when you were pregnant with Sky, and um, you were talking about how everyone gets really obsessed with their due date and like, oh, that is when I'm due. So that's going to happen. And there's stress around that builds up like, oh my gosh, I'm a day late. And the way you're describing it just reminded me of that, that like your baby is ready when it's ready. And that's just a lovely intuitive thing again about our bodies, just like knowing when the time is
0: right. Yeah, because Sky was 10 days early. So they were Mm. so different. But our midwife, who's like one of my favorite people in the world, she always says she's like, I think due dates are the the biggest problem that ever happened to women. You should have a due month because Mm. 37 to 42 weeks is considered normal. That's a five-week period. And the number of people that are like, oh, you're late now. And it's like four hours ago you weren't. And then you start to stress and worry. And I think, again, it's just uh, maybe we need a bit of a shift there as well. Yeah, I agree.
2: I know we need to talk about something other than motherhood in a minute, but last one. I'm just wondering how different your experience has been having a young baby when you already have a toddler, like two under two, that's mad. Um, and I'm I'm sure it's just super different because when you have your first one, that is your everything, your first baby. You don't have any other, I mean, obviously you have a million commitments, but you know what I mean? You don't have any other... Um, dependence and suddenly having your second baby you still have this tiny little newborn creature to look after but you've also got a hungry crying tired one-year-old and that must just be you know completely different to have to juggle both and make sure that you are giving everybody the love and the care and the support that they
0: need. Do you know what I have to say I think lockdown was in obviously this is just in a kind of microscopic level for that exact factor was actually brilliant because we were both at home with them the whole time. And it meant that there wasn't, I think, because there weren't as many other things fighting for our attention, having to be there, having to do this, this commitment, that commitment, be here for work, be there for work it meant there was that extra space. And because again, we weren't trying to get anywhere or do anything, you know, on weekends we were just at home and like, yeah, we would go for a walk. and But that could happen when it happened. And I think that helped so, so much. I cannot imagine trying to do normal life in the last six months with them. Not, I cannot, I literally can't fathom it. Maybe it's because I've never done it but I was really, really grateful to not have loads of visitors to not have to do this, to not have to do that. You know, Christmas, it was obviously, cause in London you couldn't do things. My, my little sister was part of our bubble. So, um, it was just cause she lives on her own. And, um, so it was just her and us for the whole Christmas period. And again, I, I can't imagine trying to cart them around to family and like two tiny people needing that. Whereas when you're at home, it is, it is that bit easier. Um, so that I felt really, really grateful for, and I think also I Sky was only seven months or so when I got pregnant with May, and so no last six months, five and a half months, tiny, tiny, <laughs> and um, and so I guess I never, I always thought I had two children. Basically, by the time I'd kind of got over the, as in like being through that intense like fourth trimester, the first few months of postpartum, I was pregnant again. And so I I always saw us as a family of four, which I think really helped that transition um, in many ways, actually. Like May came along before you'd even got that used to having Sky. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and I think that really helps. Sky also like the most fiery independent girl ever. And so, again, that also helped. And she was so, so little that, you know, she didn't really know any different. And mm. she is obsessed with me. The first thing she does when you wake her up from a nap, Mimi, Mimi, Mimi. And she like runs in to get Mimi. Hi, Mimi. Hi. She's, uh, and she's just obsessed. She spends all day giving Mimi toys. I mean, she is like, we're so lucky with her. She is, uh, she is obsessed with her. That's melting my heart. I know. It's no, it's no, honestly it's too much. We can't, can't play. It's so sweet. It's a joke. Like, and she gets so worried if Mamie is like sitting in her Hey and drops a toy. Uh-oh, oh, Mimi. Mama. Uh-oh, Mamie. Like, uh, can you not see she's just dropped a toy? <laughs>
2: oh my god, next time you need a babysitter,
0: me and Sarah are gonna be like waiting uh, at but, the door. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, that's so sweet. It's unbelievable. you just do so
1: much and it's so amazing um you know to have that time to be a mother we we've been saying a lot how and there has been so many pros to the lockdown obviously it's been such a challenging year but to have this time to slow down and to just kind of experience life and to really notice what is important to us what kind of what are your tools in in juggling everything and juggling a business and being a mother and you know all the other life admin stuff that we don't even kind of think about that takes up so much time
0: so what much are time. Your tools so much time <laughs> yeah it's a great question do you know what I think the last year has been hard in so many ways and there have been challenge- so many challenging things with the business and you know the- there have been a lot of challenges but I think like a lot of people I guess to this just the other, as you know you guys were there you were part of it like it just exploded and it kind of snowballed and I think for anyone else who's ever been involved in a small business or a startup business I think when you when the when that's happening you have no choice other than to roll with the momentum because momentum's there or it's not there and it's quite hard to create you can't recreate it there's an opportunity often or there's not and it was exactly the right thing I wouldn't change I wouldn't change anything about it but I think you know, to say we've been going fast for the last nine years would be the understatement of the century. I mean, it just, it since Matt and I met six years ago, you know, we've opened three cafes. We've closed three cafes. We've now opened a restaurant. We've had one app. We now have another app. It was a recipe app. Now it's got yoga and it's got mindfulness and it's got a holistic tracker and we've launched three products. Now we've launched 50 products and they were in 10 stores and now they're in 7,000 stores and they're in Switzerland and they're in Ireland. And like, you know, we will like a team of, three people and now we're a team of 30 people and now we're going to be a team of 50 people and it's you know there have been so many things on a personal level in that time we've had two children that's mothers passed away my parents have got divorced my dad's got remarried my mom's got a new partner like life has just been so fast we have squeezed probably a little bit too much into five years basically okay if in, in reality. And yeah, and we've published like four more books and done the book. I mean, we've just done, we've done a lot. Everything. I and that, I don't mean that in a kind of, I don't mean that like in a bragging sense, I just mean that's been the speed at which we were living life. And it was this like 24 seven, you know, we worked seven days a week and it was just a go, 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 go. And I think even though it was still incorporating aspects of, wellness going to things like yoga. It was still fast. It was like power yoga and spinning and sweating and going. And I think when lockdown hit last year, it was almost this moment and like, yes, things were really busy with work, but obviously then we weren't going around the evenings and you're not commuting in the mornings. And there was just this bit of space in each day that I think hadn't been there before. And obviously because there were lots of things happening with the business, we were meant to launch in Germany and America and all sorts of things last year. There was just this moment, I guess, to reflect on on all decisions across life and, and what we were doing. And I think I certainly realized for me, I had just been going too fast and, I think it felt like the moment to just pause to some extent and reflect and reconsider and I think professionally we've done aspects of that but then also on a personal level and there's such a long answer to your question but to come back to the core of the question I think I really realized that I needed more of that I needed more balance and I needed to be and I, I, I think it was just so often you think, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And I think what it's realized is actually making time for practices that allow you to slow down a bit more, more sleep, meditation, taking care of yourself. It allows you actually a lot more space in all your other activities because you are more focused, you are more energized. And that's what I think I've really taken away recently is that creating more, a little bit of sort of slow and calm in each day allows actually the other bits to I think they're slower but they're infinitely better and it's a quantity not quality that I think I have shifted to as a person and I think that, I guess the pillars of that have been prioritizing sleep so we're in bed at nine o'clock literally every night and we, we're asleep at like nine thirty or so which means that if you get up at five you've still had eight hours sleep mm-hmm. and that gives us an hour an hour and a half before the girls wake up we meditate every morning, we move every morning. And it's just, it's unbelievable what that does. And it's a small shift in lots of ways. It's basically losing an hour of watching Netflix. Um, And removing that has totally transformed. And I, I guess I noticed that if I start the day like that, that filters throughout the rest of the day and just being that bit more considered.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's also a bit of a kind of acknowledging your own identity when you are a business owner and a mother and all of these other things to acknowledge that you matter and your time matters as well is a really powerful thing. You know, like you can be so busy and so wrapped up in doing, 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 because that's what I am. That's my identity. And if I stop that, then like what happens? but acknowledging that we all need time for ourselves and then we'll be better at the things that we're doing. We'll be a better mother, we'll be a, a kinder partner, you know, we'll be a, a better boss. So to, yeah, I would, I mean, I'm sure we all agree that like this year has really shown us that, wow, we need to slow down. Isn't it wild though that things such as a global pandemic are the, are the stuff that kind of forces us into think. Ah okay let's take a a back seat and what um do you have something that you
0: do kind of every day Ella that instills that? Do you know it's now meditation which is quite new I think today is like day 90 of it as in as a continuous practice I'd been dipping in and out for the last six nine months or so but not as a kind of considered daily ritual and it was about three months ago that I just realized that I think having had that again, you know, those first few months postpartum are just, they're extraordinary and they're so expansive, but they are exhausting. Mm. And, you know, your body is not your own in any capacity. And I think kind of coming not out the other side of that, but as that, as things start to settle down, um, I think it was just a reflection of like, no, do you know why I'm exhausted? And, um, I need a bit of space for myself. And I think also in the pandemic, obviously, you can't get that space by doing what you might do normally of going out and taking you know half an hour to do this get your nails done or something little like that um and so realizing how can we create that home which I think was a great exercise in kind of making those processes internal not external but that was where it came from and so Matt and I decided that's what we're going to do we're going to get up before the girls every day and we're going to meditate and I think doing it together has actually been really really helpful because it keeps us both accountable and the days that feels maybe a bit sticky for you they encourage it and I think that has been really helpful Um, And also doing it together just simply means we, there's literally the first thing we do, we do it in bed and you don't have to like sneak out, put headphones in or like wake the other person up. And so that has been really, really helpful for me. But that's, we do it every single morning and it just depends on the day, how much time there is, how much space there is. Some days it's 10 minutes, some days it's 40 minutes and depends when we, when we wake up and what's happening in the day. But it has been extraordinary, the shift that's come from it.
2: You've sort of answered my next question because I really, really enjoyed your podcast episode with Fern Cotton. And you guys were talking about like the societal ideas of what's considered fun, going to the pub, getting really drunk and saying how lockdown has given the introverts among us uh, an easier ride of it because you don't have to make up a million excuses why you don't want to go to things. Um, And so I had wanted to ask you like what lockdown had had taught you in that respect. And I feel like now our whole conversation, you've had so many positives to come out of it on a personal level. I appreciate like economically and everything for everyone. It's it's a real shit show. Um, but, you know, you've had the benefit of being able to dedicate all your time to your two children and get used to having two such young children. You've found time to meditate, found more time for yourself, tapped into this concept of slowing down to speed up, which for a lot of people is... A lot to get their head around they don't it feels selfish to give yourself time but actually when you can realize that that makes you better in all the other aspects of your life then it's amazing is there anything else that that the last year has taught you or changed in you
0: do you know what I think I, I think I, truly so much but I think I think slowing down to speed up is certainly the biggest one but I think A little bit like what you were saying just then, Serena, about what we're talking about with Fern. I think there is, I am certainly an introvert and I think this last year has really confirmed that massively. Obviously, there's a lot of things I missed. There have been a lot of challenges with the business, but I have really enjoyed being at home. Of course, it's nice to do other things as well. It's not that I but I I love being at home. And, and I have really enjoyed that part of it. And I think the thing that I would like to take away from it is, as you said before, it was always, one of the reasons to say no? And I think that's something I'm definitely going to take away from it, which is that, and I think it's realizing, I think slowing down has shown that, which is that really to be good at what you're doing. And I don't just mean professionally. I also mean, you know, as a partner, as a mother, you know, as a just general human being, There's only so much you can do. And obviously we're going to go through different phases in our lives at the moment, two under two, that that's a big chunk of of time emotionally, you know, in every capacity. And so, you know, I don't have space for a big social life and for doing this, you know, because work can be really busy. Weekends are sacred. That's our time with our girls. I don't want to see anyone basically, you know, my sister and like our kind of best, best friends, but that is it. And realizing that I'm just not going to say yes anymore because my girls are my priority. My family is my priority. My work is my priority as well. And actually like to be good at those three things, I need to not be completely manic because that doesn't make me a better mum. I'm a worse mum because I'm more stressed, I'm more frantic.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: not setting a good as example to them. I don't have time to cook for them as much or, you know, to really look after them and put in that quality time. I can be more frazzled. I can, you know, that that's not, that's not the mum that I want to be. And so I'd so much rather not go to that wedding and I wish you well, like I hope it's a beautiful wedding, but I I don't, I wanna be with my girls. Yeah. And like, bar the 10 people that I love the most in the world, I, I don't want to go. And I think realizing that's okay, you know, actually you can't be all things to everyone. And by trying to be all things to everyone, you end up being kind of nothing to no one. Um, and if you can really show up for the people that really, really matter, then that's amazing. And I'm sure in a few decades time when the girls are off living their own lives, then that will be so different because there'll be these hours of the day where there's time to invest in these other parts of our lives. But for us right now, that that doesn't exist. And I think the last year has helped, certainly helped me acknowledge that doesn't exist.
1: Also, socialising is exhausting. And I think we only realise it now (laughs) when we're doing it in birth and haven't done it for ages. And I would agree with you, Ella, I want to be home all the time.
0: (laughs) I know, tucked up in bed at nine o'clock.
1: Mm. Mm. please and with an e on eating, eating vegan snickers exactly that's what i'm
0: gonna to do tonight
1: <laughs> oh this has been so wonderful ella thank you so so much for joining us
2: when sarah and i were planning for this and we were like going through a, the list of all the amazing things you've done we decided that next up for you is maybe a debut album and a line of perfume <laughs> because that's where people tend to go when they've done everything they like start their acting career So, we're
0: really excited for what's going to come next. I can categorically guarantee (laughs) you there will not be a perfume and there will not be a failed acting career. If there is one thing that I am so bad at, it is all things to do with acting, singing, dancing, and so on. You will not see me on Strictly from (laughs) Dancing. Like, I'm a celebrity. That would be a good one. Strictly would
1: be a good one. That would be my top thing if ever if ever I was famous and could go on a show, it would be Strictly. We're
2: gonna start a petition lobbying to get deliciously Ella on Strictly Come Dancing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much. Absolute pleasure. So nice to talk to you guys. So nice to see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Ella, for joining us. It really does feel very special to come full circle and be able to chat with Ella. After all these years of connecting with Serena in that way, I also think it's really powerful that Ella is, you know, she's so busy with work and business and being a mother, but the fact that she does prioritise time for herself and time for her mental and physical health is really lovely to see. And, you know, if Ella can do it, we can all, all take that time, even if it's a few minutes a day, to check in
2: absolutely it was such a joy to chat to her and as sarah and i say again and again it's such an important message to remember to be making time for yourself to be looking after your health so if you would like the recipe for today's delicious snickers bars you can find that over on our instagram page which we're going to leave in the show notes below and in case you're not already following ella on instagram we will pop her details below so that you
1: can find her nice and easily Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will be back next week.
0: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hold
1: up.